Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Montobles here. It's Cofield. It is a Tuesday. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk coming up in about 12 minutes on the National Football League. Let's get into it. The football frenzy. So, Arden Key is gone from the Raiders, John. Someone is going to pick him up. He's got potential. He's a massive human being. He was a third-round pick. He's visiting the Niners. Do you get the feeling that maybe a change of scenery is what Arden Key needs and that he actually could live up to his potential? Or is he just a utility player at this point? I mean... A change of scenery could help, I guess. But if you go through his three years as a pro, like, and again, just using one outlet, but how he's graded out in terms of pro football focuses metrics, if you look at his overall statistics, like how a change of scenery really changes, like improves that, I just don't know. Now, I think there's something to be said that as an, as a, as a guy at his position, joining a team like the San Francisco 49ers that have so much depth and talent there could open up a lot of things for him and allow him to improve statistically because there's just so much other thing. There's so many other guys around him that are very good. So that could help in terms of his statistics improving. But we see a lot of these guys that are like edge rushers that get a lot of cleanup sacks, but still don't grade out well. And they go off to get paid and they're kind of disappointments. So, I mean, maybe statistically he makes a jump just because of the talent around him, but I don't know if him as a player actually improves from that, you know? Uh, a lot of talk, John, around the NFL draft now that it's uh, just over a week away. About teams trading down. Always <laughs> oh, sexy. Yeah, it seems like we hear about this before every draft, and then we'll see a couple of moves, but not a ton. What do you think the Dolphins are thinking if they want to get out of the six hole? What do you think they're hearing above them where they're like, hey, you know what, let's move back? I mean, I were think they, that... were, were they making a run at Kyle Pitts? I mean, potentially. I think that also means that maybe one of the quarterbacks they think is going to fall, right? A Trey Lance, a Mac Jones, Justin Wait, Fields, whatever it is. The Dolphins? Right. No. So what I'm saying is they think that a quarterback is going to fall to where they're at, thus making their pick more valuable so they could trade oh. back and get something for it. Right. You know, like if, if if Trey Lance or Mac Jones or Justin – I would think it would be Mac Jones or Justin Fields, right? Like that potentially one of these teams is going to trade up to go get because it does seem like Trey Lance is going to be available in that range of like six, seven, eight, or nine. So maybe they're hearing one of the coveted quarterbacks between Fields and Jones will still be available, and thus they're taking calls to potentially trade back. So the match there is Broncos? Trey Lance? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Broncos to move up potentially to get Lance, I would say yes. Now, I would be screwed because I took over six and a half plus money, so I hope that's not the match. Really, beyond that, I mean, who else would get aggressive from – I mean, I guess it could be Carolina at eight – would they want to move up a couple spots? But they, that's what they I, just traded for Sam Darnold. They're gonna they're gonna get another young guy, right? That's what I just wouldn't understand, right? Like the the thinking you I, I mean I assume is that you bought kind of low on Sam Darnold because you believe that he has the potential to be the franchise quarterback. Hell, Matt Rule talked about that when they got Darnold. 
you know, maybe he's saying all the right things, but part of the reason why he interviewed for your Jets was he wanted to work with Sam Darnold, and now he's got him. So I don't think you give up assets, right, to get Sam Darnold and then give up more assets to go get another quarterback. It just doesn't make sense. Carolina 8, Denver 9, that would be a candidate. Dallas 10, no. Giants 11, no. Philly at 12, Did you? <laughs> don't think so. I don't, I don't know if you were looking at the smarter-than-you Twitter feed today, uh, but somebody tweeted out a video of Max Kellerman talking about how the Giants should trade up to go get Trey Lance, and then he was shocked that Stephen A. Smith and, and uh, Dan Orlovsky didn't understand his rationale that, no, 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 you keep Daniel Jones, too. Wait, what? <laughs> as, as what? A bridge for the next two years? I, I, I didn't understand. I mean, I guess, you know what, if you, wanted, if you wanted to explain to me that, hey, we're going to have Jones for four years at an affordable number, and then we're going to restart the quarterback clock with Trey Lance, I suppose I could buy it in the mind of Gettleman, but I don't think Gettleman's that creative or that forward-thinking, and I don't even think it's forward-thinking. I think that's stupid. If you take a guy at whatever it was, number six, and Daniel Jones, and you're committed to him for a while here. Uh, after that, other teams I could trade up to that, that six spot if Miami wanted to trade down. Uh, 13, Chargers, no. Vikings or Patriots? Do you think the Patriots are going to give up enough draft capital to move all the way up to six? Would Minnesota say, you know, we need to move on eventually here from Kirk Cousins? Would they trade up? I don't think so. I don't know why you would. Like, Minnesota's one of those teams that realistically, with the right piece, are competing for, right, a playoff spot, a potential spot in the NFC Championship game. Like, they have some things that they could potentially work, especially on offense. Justin Jefferson really broke out. Kirk Cousins was part of that. So I think you're thinking if you're Minnesota, we're loading up defensively. We're trying to get this thing better. So I don't think they're a candidate at all. We're going to ask Miles Simmons. He's the expert from Pro Football Talk. He'll be up in uh, less than five minutes. We also got to check in on uh, his old Rams. He covered the Rams. And uh, Sean McVay, this, I mean, they, these guys are, I don't know if they're cool or they're freaking nerdy for putting this stuff out, but they have converted a Malibu beach house into their draft war room. You got to see this place. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Sports is so weird sometimes. The COVID situation in baseball, because much of it's cloaked in mystery, we've got teams that are missing players because, one, they got the vaccine a player did, and they're having bad effects from it. Then we've got other teams that are having many outbreaks or at least you know two or three players testing positive, and then tracing issues so i don't know what the hell's going on there i can't figure it out and i also i can't figure out the nfl and the nflpa from last week yeah was that much ado about nothing because players are still showing up so like this show of solidarity and word and then you just show up to the facilities like what was the point of last week miles simmons is with us he covers the nfl like all the time miles do you, you get what i'm saying here like what, what was the big bluster last week about solidarity and staying away and then it looks like every team has you know, a good number of players there, but we can't know who they are. It's got to be a big secret. Yeah, it's it's one of these things where it's weird. I mean, because you have all the teams that have issued statements, and there was even one today, and I can't remember exactly what team it was um, off the top of my head here, but it, like these teams are still, or players from the teams are still issuing statements saying, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that, or what's becoming more popular is some teams are saying many of us are not going to show up for the voluntary offseason workouts, which is like, okay. You know, because at a certain point, yes, they're all voluntary. And what the NFLPA is trying to push for 
is to get the, all of the NFL teams to cancel um, their mandatory mini camps that are going to happen in mid June, right? But if you're an NFL team and you already lost a year of development of young players last year in the spring, you know, or if you're a player that's on the bubble, and that could be somebody who's going to come in as an undrafted free agent in the next couple weeks after the draft. It could be a veteran. It could be somebody like Cam Newton in New England who knows, look, man, I have to do everything I can to make sure that I am in the best position possible to lead this team if I'm going to be the Patriots quarterback. Guys are still going to show up because they know that if they show up, then they're going to have a leg up on their competition. That it's, it's one of these things where, you know, you can say that the offseason program is voluntary, and it is. But unless you are a truly established player in this league, one of the Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donalds of the world, then you might need to show up to the offseason program and the offseason workouts because it's one of the ways that you can at least put yourself in a strong position to have a roster spot in the fall. Miles, outside of all of those things, how, how do like these bonuses work out? Like with the workout bonuses, things of that nature, I would assume there would be guys who are showing up because they want their money too, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's why what's interesting is the NFLPA is apparently not going to push teams that have a lot of guys who have workout bonuses um, to not show up, right? So we're talking about teams basically that are in somewhat unfavorable locations. So Green Bay is one of those teams. Buffalo, one of those teams. Kansas City, believe it or not, is also one of those teams that has a lot of guys with roster workout bonuses um, for the offseason. So those guys who have money on the line, yeah, I think people understand that those guys are going to show up. But really, around the league, that might be fewer players than many of us would think. Um, so I, I think part of it still is definitely a big part of it is definitely going to be people want to show up because they want to guarantee themselves a job. And so that's going to differ from team to team too how those things, those bonuses are going to be doled out. Because some teams are saying, yes, if you start by participating in the virtual meetings in the offseason program, then yeah, that's going to tick off one box. But, you know, maybe phase two where you know, you're just on the field, but you're not actually really having practice. Maybe you don't have to be there for that. But in phase three, when we have these 10 OTA practices that start in late May and they go into early June, yeah, we want you on the field for those. And then you know, maybe it's not all 10, maybe it's a certain number, uh, but that's going to differ from team to team, how you tick that box, and then you're going to be able to earn that workout bonus. Miles Simmons with us from Pro Football Talk. Miles, uh, let's talk about some of these quarterback extensions that are on the way. I saw that the Ravens have at least you know mentioned that an extension could be on the way for Lamar Jackson. What are we talking about money-wise, and how about the timing on it? Oh, it's a good question with the money-wise. I mean, look, I think whenever you're talking about a quarterback probably signing an extension now, most of these guys are not going to be able to get Patrick Mahomes' money, right? Like Patrick Mahomes' money where you're thinking about – $40 million a year, it's probably out of the realm of possibility for that. So, But I think somebody like Lamar Jackson, he's still going to be in the realm of 35 to $38 million a year. That's basically the going rate for quarterbacks at this point. That's the market value. And that's kind of the thing about QBs. You know, you sometimes if you're a team and you feel like you have one, you want to sign them earlier because that's going to have a lower market value than it would be later, right? So if you're the Ravens, if you are uh, the Bills with Josh Allen, if you're the Browns with Baker Mayfield, 
part of what you have to do is weigh, do I want to sign my quarterback now before the likes of those other guys from that same draft class extend their QBs, or do I want to wait just to make sure that I really want to extend this QB so we're not going to end up in a situation like the Philadelphia Eagles, like the Los Angeles Rams, where you sign this guy to a big extension, and then it turns out you don't actually want them because they have proven that they are not going to be the effective quarterback that you thought that they were going to be when they signed that extension. So I think there's a lot of things that you have to weigh from that standpoint with the team. But, I mean, if you're, if you're Lamar Jackson, you know, if you are Baker Mayfield, if you're Josh Allen, and you're looking around and you're saying, man, this is, I can get $35, 38000000 million a year, whatever it's going to be, that's life-changing money. I probably want that. I'm going to sign on the dotted line and get my guaranteed money before anything else happens, right? Because once that happens, that, that money is yours, basically. It's not obviously the way NFL contracts work. You know, you're not going to get that full value that comes out, but that guarantees that's, that's huge money, and that's going to be upwards of $100 million for those guys. So, yeah, I think it's going to be something that is going to be closely monitored. But at least for, you know, right now, that probably is not going to happen until if a contract extension is going to happen. It's probably not going to be until after uh, the draft gets done, after OTAs sort of wrap up and that mini camp. You know, that period between June and July after mini camps, and uh, the start of training camp when a lot of these quarterback contracts get done because there really isn't much else to do. So that's when you can take care of that business then. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. I'm glad you mentioned the Rams because, you know, there's the downside. You could sign a guy, and then you're like, oh, crap. Uh, that was not a good signing like Jared Goff. Are the Rams going to be clear-headed for this draft? And I know that, you know, they trade away most of the draft at the start of it, uh, which also makes this kind of a ridiculous investment. Have you seen the pictures of this Malibu beach house that they've turned into a draft war room. And I noticed a couple things here. Um, one, uh, they're very big on the sponsor, uh, mortgage company that they've got. I think they've got like something like in the pool and then they've got pillows. Um, this, this seems to be a weird deal to me, but it's very Sean McVay-like. Uh, okay. I don't know if it's very Sean McVay-like. I think it is very L.A.-like. And I think okay, that it's okay. one of those things where you want to uh, – make a splash, if you will. Look, I mean, the funny thing about the Rams is that they don't really have a permanent facility yet. And, you know, maybe people know this, maybe people don't. I worked for the Rams covering that team from 2014 to the middle of 2019. So I know that organization well. And when they moved out there, the goal was to have a facility, a permanent facility by now. They don't. So they draft out of what is you know, really a temporary facility. That's where they work. And so, I mean, everybody drafted from home last year. I guess the deal is, you know, this is probably going to be a little bit nicer than sitting in what their draft room is with a bunch of temporary buildings. And maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But it is certainly an interesting thing. I don't know, man. I I saw that and I was uh, I, I was kind of floored by it because I was like, wow, that's, that's not something you usually see teams do. And frankly, I don't know that many teams would even like to do that because football people are such creatures of habit that they want to be in their environment that they're used to. So I guess, you know, if it works for them, it works for them. But you're right. I mean, they don't have a first-round pick. They don't pick, I think, until middle of the second round in there. So, you know, that first night they're probably just going to be sitting around eating bonbons and whatever they're doing in that house anyway. Cannonballs into the pool. Uh, now, I, yeah. I feel like you push back on me on McVeigh. You know, being a style guy, 
because he's a football guy. But I did notice, if you look at the pictures closely, listen, McVeigh has fabulous hair. Did he actually shave a couple of lines above his left temple? Like, I noticed things like this. Are you seeing this? Like, what is, is this off-season McVeigh? He gets a little crazy. He goes with the lines like the, kids, like the kids do. I don't know if he went that far. I did see that picture. It did stand out to me, too. I don't. I have not been able to confirm whether or not he did that. But I can <laughs> tell you from my own personal experience that he takes his hair very seriously. So yes. I don't know if he's just going gray or what. But, you know, that, that job is very stressful now. And he's going into, I think, his fifth year as a head coach. So it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot that has to happen, even if you're in your mid-30s. JVT, you're a big hair guy. Lines in the hair ever or not? No, I bleached my hair when I, when that was like the rage. When I was like, what was that, like seven or eight? Nice. The <laughs> summer of 98 was fantastic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> move this week. Yeah, move this week, Miles, with uh, the Raiders. Uh, they've added another piece to the defensive backfield in Rasul Douglas. Yeah, you know, and I, I tweeted that I liked it for the Raiders. And, and here's the thing. I, I think when you have two guys like Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen where you think they're going to be able to progress, however, you don't know. You need insurance in some way. And I think cornerbacks in a lot of ways are like starting pitchers in baseball. You, you probably can't have enough of them because at some point one of them may or may not go down, right? And if you have somebody like Rasul Douglas, who was really a key piece to that Panthers defense last year, came in and have really helped stabilize the position opposite Dante Jackson at cornerback. So I think with somebody like that, who has the attitude that he does, he's going to bring something to that locker room. And I think he also is going to be able to play. He's at least, I think, going to be able to push those two guys that were drafted pretty high, Mullen in the second round and Arnett in the first round, to be the kind of guys that they need to be. So, that's why I like the signing, man. And I think that he's going to be a decent fit for that Gus Bradley defense. So if they need to play him, they will be able to play him. And if he beats out one of those younger corners, more power to him. So, Miles, as we uh, approach the draft, we get all of these rumors and all of these you know, conversations around teams, what they're looking at, what they could potentially want to do. Arthur Blank comes out the other day, says he's fascinated by the quarterback class, even though we all are. Um, I was more curious, as we look at a team like the Miami Dolphins, as there seems to be some traction around them potentially trading down here from number six, my question would kind of be like, what would be the plan if you're Miami? Like I, I, We were talking about this earlier. My thought is the only scenario in which you trade down is if like one of the Mac Jones and or Justin Fields is still sitting there, and I think it would have to be a pretty specific person. I just don't know how many teams have the – draft capital to move up that far to get to number six. I just don't see many scenarios for Miami to actually do that and move back. Yeah, it's interesting because Miami is obviously the type of team at this point that we know wants to pick up as many draft picks as possible. And they've done a really good job of that over the last couple of years to set themselves up to have as many darts to throw at the board as they possibly can have. So it's a matter of now, do you want to have the premium player in theory, maybe the second-best non-QB in the draft at number six overall, because at least at this point, it seems like QBs could go... Look, we know they're going to go one, two, three. They definitely, in Atlanta, could pick somebody for, to be the quarterback of the future at number four overall. Cincinnati really ought to draft a tackle, whether it's Penesul 
or Rayshon Slater. I mean, people could have whatever one they prefer, but they need to draft somebody so that they are protecting Joe Burrow. So at that point, if you're Miami, you could say, Ben, I might have Kyle Pitts available. I might have Jamar Chase available. I might have Jalen Waddle available. I could have Devontae Smith available. And they need to get a little more explosive on the offensive side. So if it's somebody that, say, the Broncos, that wants to trade up and get a QB at six, then, yeah, I think you might want to go back down a little bit further because at that point you're saying, well, I'm still going to probably pick up one of these non-QBs who is still going to be really good for me um, and, and is going to be you know, one of these guys that I can depend on. But if you're talking about moving all the way down to, say, you know, the 20s or the mid-round in the first round, then I don't know how much that would be appealing to you if you're Miami. Although, then you could think about, hey, if you trade back, then you can trade up again because Miami also owns the 18th overall pick in this draft. So Miami is one of the most interesting teams, I think, that will be picking in the first round because there are so many different things that they could do, so many different avenues that they could go down. And, you know, there always is something that seems to happen within those first 10 picks, and Miami could definitely be a team to watch for that. Miles wow, Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk. What do you think of the uh, Mike Tomlin extension through 2024? Uh, my contention would be, why is Tomlin in such a hurry to sign an extension? They don't have a future quarterback. And uh, I don't know, there are times, Miles, that I feel like Mike Tomlin has been disrespected, not by the organization, but by fans and people around the league. I wonder if Tomlin actually pushed it to the point where uh, he could shop his services. What would happen to the Steelers? Because uh, I think there would be four or five teams that would line up to give Tomlin uh, something beyond an extension through 2024. Uh, you're probably right about that. I mean, look, there's no doubt that Mike Tomlin is one of the league's best coaches. He's been the Steelers head coach since 2007, and they have not had a losing season. Okay, and, you know, Bill Belichick and Sean Payton are the only two guys that have had longer tenures as head coaches, and Bill Belichick is probably the greatest head coach of all time, although maybe that could be up for debate without Tom Brady. We may never know. But Sean Payton has certainly had more than one uh, losing season down there in New Orleans. And they've also won a Super Bowl, but so is Mike Tomlin, and they've been to two in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I I think there is something to what you're saying there about how Mike Tomlin is maybe not appreciated enough by certain fans. Because, look, when you've not had a losing season, I'm serious, like 500 is the worst that they've been, 8-8. You know how many fan bases would love to even just be 8-8 eight eight once? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, the Raiders haven't been there in a really long time. So, I think the fact that he probably values stability, we know that the Steelers value stability. They've had three head coaches since 1969, which is ridiculous. Um, I think it's just a partnership that works. And when you've been somewhere for so long and you have that comfort and you know that you have the backing of the organization like he does, Steelers are one of the best-run organizations in sports, at least they have that reputation. Um, That's why I think that Mike Tomlin says, hey, man, I don't need to go anywhere. This is my home, this is my team, and this is my system. I know exactly what this is, and there's no need to change that if we don't have to. And you do run the risk of going to work with a buffoon as the GM, and they have a good GM, and you know they're good at evaluating talent, probably one of the top five or seven franchises in football in terms of reloading. All right, we got to close on a couple of uh, interesting notes. The life of oh Miles. Uh, well, first of all, uh, what, do we need an LFG on Ted Lasso? Really? Absolutely we do. 
Okay. Absolutely. That was that's probably the best show I've seen in the last year, man. It's a feel good show. It's funny. I'm a big fan of Jason Sudeikis. Uh, anytime we can get more Ted Lasso, yes, that is an LFG. JVT, are you down with LFG and Ted Lasso? Do you know what Ted Lasso is? <laughs> uh, I know what Ted Lasso is. I, I don't know what LFG is. Oh, well, be careful. It's uh, Let's Blank and Go. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, pretty, that's pretty fiery <laughs> for Ted Lasso. That's all I'm saying. Now, if you told me that Miles is going to stand up at his next karaoke performance and do some prints, then let's blank and go. Okay. Well, yes. I mean, that's something that I often do. Yes. And I did tweet that the other day that Kiss that. is my usual go to uh, pr- uh, karaoke song by Prince. And I do usually hit the high notes. So that's, oh, wow. you know, Ooh. it's been a while been a while but you know I, it's uh it's a thing it's definitely a thing I, I never thought of miles simmons as uh hmm one that risk a and I'll, I'll even go as as far as saying in front of a crowd being sort of sexually provocative who knew i think if i'm not mistaken and i could be because i had i had a few libations that night adam hill may or may not have witnessed a performance wow. of that song so you would have to ask adam and you hit the high note. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wait, did no you lie. hit it or you attempted it? No, 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 no. There's no attempt. Do or do not, right? This is the Yoda thing. There is no try. I do. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, well, go check out profootballtalk.com. Uh, do you guys have official plans? You must because you're a big-time site. Uh, I can only imagine what you guys are rolling out for the draft next week. Uh this could be crazy. What's going on, Peacock? Uh, give me a little promotion of PFT. Uh, well, we will certainly be covering everything that has to do with the draft, as we do every single day. And you can catch uh, PFT Live from, uh, I don't even know what time it would be on there. Oh, my goodness. Probably, it's, it's a little early. But catch the replay on Peacock. And you can also catch uh, PFT PM on Peacock from 2 to 3 p.m., Pacific time every day, uh, every weekday on the Peacock Network. I'll be there Thursday and Friday this week. Miles, you're awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Wait, what just happened? Did he? He's he's a guy who was in L.A. for five years. He came to Vegas. He mm-hmm. went to Carolina. Mm-hmm. He's now in Ohio, and the conversion of Pacific time just completely threw him off. Well, he's a well-traveled man, but yeah, I don't really. He he doesn't know where he is. Isn't it, is it harder to go east to west as it is west to east in terms of converting time? I don't I don't think it's hard at all. I I mean I, I think we're used to doing it here, but I I mean it is it is a common problem around the country. Well, that's just the elitism of the East Coast, right? Like yes. oh, our our time. I go by Greenwich Mean Time, so I don't know what all these clowns are going by. For Dustin DeHart's Club 99, back to Steve Cofield. Right, we like to read something every day. And by the way, we got Sam Paniotovich coming up. Draft props, early baseball look. We will get into the odds aftermath, John Von Tobel, of the Jake Paul. I'm not even going to mention I'm not even going to mention the other guy. That's going to be our Club 99. Uh, the fight itself, that was completely embarrassing. Ben Askren from beginning to end, the weigh-in with his belly, the performance, the mugging for photos afterwards, smiling, 
completely embarrassing, but uh, maybe the biggest thing that's happened to boxing this year. So congrats to boxing. Uh, I, I would argue it wasn't embarrassing at all. He got what did he? Is that true that he got paid more than he made for any MMA fight that he's ever participated in? Uh, dude, I'd get knocked on my butt for you know six hundred thousand bucks. Um, but we like to act like there's some integrity to the fight game and that we yeah. can actually bet fights without worrying that they're fixed. I'm not saying it was fixed, but that was not much of an effort from Ben Askren, and uh, he took a clean right hand, got wobbled, tried to stand up in the standing eight count. Uh, you know, was still wobbled. The fight gets stopped. Um, I actually I did have Asker and I kept bragging about it. I got the value at plus two ten. It was no value. He oh, was a complete no show. It sucked. Yeah, I actually I just went under five and a half. Like the round problem, I just felt like this is looking at Asker. I thought it was going to be him and his body, but you didn't figure that this was going to be a fight that would go the distance between these two. So that, that's where I was. But I I mean, look, I would agree with that. I would also say that when you're bet- when you're betting on a spectacle like this is. You take everything with it, and you understand that something potentially like this is going to happen. I, I think it was very clear that Askren, and I don't want to, you know, degrade the guy. I think it was very clear Askren knew what was going on. He wanted to get paid. He didn't want to put that much work into it. Show up, get knocked out, get paid a lot of money, and go home. So MMA can just kind of hide behind the shield and say, "Well, I mean, you know, clearly he wasn't he wasn't really into it." That doesn't mean we can't fight on the feet that we can't box. I think for the most part, right? Like, I mean, these crossovers. If you want to really argue it, you had Conor McGregor fighting arguably the greatest boxer of all time, and then you had Ben Askren not really giving a rip whatsoever and just trying to get in on the payday. So, I like if you actually got Jake Paul versus you know a, a legitimate mixed martial artist who had some stand-up game, there'd be some competition there. We might get that. Let's talk to Sam Paniatovich next. He's at Nesson, does work for uh, FS1. We'll get his take on the boxing match and also why the Yankees are basically the Ben Askren of baseball right now. <laughs> Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Sam Panayarovich, Nesson is up with Cofield and company. Sam, I did not win money on the Jake Paul fight. I bet against him. I bet Ben Askren. I'm sad. <laughs> that was probably the worst bet you ever made, huh? One of them. I thought it was value. I kept bragging the last two weeks. I'm like, I got Askren a plus 210. Look at where the number is now. Oof. Not even close. I love when people talk about value. And, Cofield, I'm, I'm guilty of this all the time. When you talk yeah. about value and then your value goes right down the toilet, 10, 20, 30 seconds into a bet. Like, when you when you take an underdog, like you take the Jacksonville Jaguars plus nine and a half, line closes six, and on the second play of the game, Gardner Minshew throws a pick six. And you're like, you know it's over. You got good line value, but it doesn't matter because you know they're about to get rolled. So, JVT and I were just talking about the fight, and it didn't look like Askren was prepared for the fight. I'm not going to say he took a dive. It didn't look like he defended himself very well. I wonder for the future of fights like these, these celebrity fights, like Jake Paul fights, if sports books out there are going to be a little bit cautious and lower their limits, or are we in a situation now where there's so many sports books that even a fight that dreadful is not going to keep sports books from still taking regular bets? John Murray at the Westgate said this was the biggest handle fight they had all year. So I don't think they want to really keep the limits down. I think they really let the money tell the story and dictate the market because we did have money 
coming in around the country and around the world against Jake Paul. So I think the books were rather balanced. Now, I'm not sure about the the result, like the actual TKO or the round. I don't know how those exotics played out, but I, I thought it was pretty good two-way action on the fight uh, for multiple sports books. And look, if the price is up and, and the bets come in, they just move the market. And, and look, people bet on this guy or against this guy, Jake Paul. So I don't know what it is about him. You either love him, you hate him. He's very polarizing. People, for some reason, want to buy the fight or watch the fight and then bet on the fight. So as long as these fights keep coming, people are dogging, boxing, and saying the fight sucked. People watched it. People gambled on it. And most of the sports books turned a pretty good profit on it. Sam, the biggest handle fight or the biggest handle boxing match? Because Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier was there this year, was it not? It was the biggest, I'm sorry, the uh, the biggest handled boxing match okay. of the entire year. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have to cross my boxing and my uh, my UFC terms. That's, that's my bad. Yeah, it was one of the highest handled boxing matches of 2021. Okay. Because I was going to say, I know there's psychopaths out there like me that bought the fight, bet on it, and watched it. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know there were that many psychopaths out there. So let me ask you this. When it came to, when it comes to things like this, as we move forward, I like I don't even know if like the limits uh, are what it is. I, I think there's more interesting things like like the round prop, for example. That's what I bet on, Sam. I went under five and a half. I was surprised to see it so high for a six round fight, just considering where we see a guy like Ben Askren show up very doughy, out of shape, and not really caring. Like there was no adjustment on something like that. Doughy's a nice way to put it. He was fat as you know what. He he looked so bad. Like. He looked like he just walked out of that place on Fremont Street. What do they call it? The uh, the Heart Attack Grill. He looked oh, yeah. like he had been there for a week straight. And my joke, like, my joke oh. was that he looked like the before picture on a P90X commercial. He looked sure. like Golic before Nutrisystem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what you do with. Yeah. I don't know what you do with these fights. Honestly, it's just. Yeah. If I would have known, if I like, if you would have taken the side by side, and I could have seen what they, because I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know. We know Jake Paul's in shape. He takes it seriously. Everything he does is on the internet in some way, shape, or form. So you know he would be in shape. I didn't know Ben Askren was going to show up looking like you know, like Snorlax from Pokemon. He was huge. I mean, he was, was unbelievably out of shape. So if I would have known that, maybe I would have tailed you on the under five and a half rounds. What's going on in baseball? I just made the joke earlier that the uh, Yankees are Ben Askren of Major League Baseball. This is this is kind of ridiculous, and you know it's not like the prices are cheap on the Yankees. No, you're paying the Yankee tax. You pay the tax on them all the time in baseball. You pay it on Alabama and college football. You pay it on the Chiefs in the NFL. The New York Yankees have played 15 baseball games this year. If you bet a unit on them every single game, whatever your unit is, 50, 100, 250, 500, whatever, if you bet a unit on the Yankees every single game, you are already down ten and a half units on April twentieth. Like, how is it even possible? Um, they don't pitch the baseball well. They don't catch the baseball. They're striking out at, at a really bad rate right now, and they're bad to gamble on. And you go back. I love looking at StatFox. For those of you that bet on baseball, I think StatFox.com is a great place to check. The last couple starts: Garrett Cole minus thirty-five, loser. Uh, Nick Nelson, minus 150, loser. You've had Montgomery, minus 170, loser. Minus 190, Tyone, loser. Minus 180, Herman, loser. So if you bet the Yankees, you're always laying juice. I mean, I'm looking at the game long here. They've been an underdog one time. 
They've been an underdog <laughs> one time this season, plus 100. And usually it's minus 170, 80, 90. So if you bet three Yankee games at minus 180 and lose one of them, you have to win the other two to make 20 bucks back if you're betting 100 a game. It's a, it's a bad team. The rotation is not great. The whip isn't great. Um, and the starters aren't going long. And the bullpen hasn't really shown their, uh, their ability to you know, hammer these things down. They don't throw a lot of strikes. It's just a mess. But right now, you can't bet this team until further notice because they're too expensive and they don't make you money. You know, uh, we were talking earlier, uh, Von Tobel and I. John, you got a fire in? Well, I just wanted to point out, too, you know, I know Sam's a big baseball guy. One of the things that I've noticed, too, Sam, and the market's actually started to adjust, unlike with these Yankee prices, you know, the Padres are a team that has been very, very heavy to the under early on, 12 and 6 in their first 18 games. But you're starting, like, at the beginning of the year, you're seeing totals like 8.5, 8, 9, 8.5. But now over the last few games, you're talking about closing totals like 6.5, 7.5, 7.5. The market's actually started to adjust. But those kind of things you see market adjustments on, but the Yankees, you're always going to pay that tax, like you call it. Definitely. And, you know, you ask a bookmaker and you talk to these guys all the time, they always say it's easier to adjust the total than it is to, to adjust the money line. Um, you know, and you look at the total today, Milwaukee, San Diego, it opened seven, to your point, <laughs> with the Padres. And I'm seeing six and a half at the Westgate, six and a half at DraftKings, and six and a half in a lot of the offshore shops. So, They've already cut that down. It was sort of like with the Red Sox, you know, out here in Boston early in the season. Their win totals were eight and a half, nine. Now they're opening nine, nine and a half, and then they get fed up. So it's much easier to adjust the total. And and a lot of people that that gamble, they go, oh, it's only a half a run. It's only a run. If you think that way, you're probably going to lose because that half run is so precious, and the books make it very easy for you to think that, oh, it's only a half run. It's only a run. You know, Yankee totals or Yankee money lines, they might drop from 180 to 160. It's still expensive. But if a run total goes from 8 to 7 or 9 to 8, that's a huge drop. And people don't understand the importance of a half run or a run. That's why people get in trouble with totals. So we talk about value. Value takes, you know, all different forms and shapes. Is there actually value potentially? Like how far is the gap between the Dodgers and the rest of, of Major League Baseball? Plus 325, plus 350 in some spots to win the whole entire thing. Is there actually value in that short of a number this early out? Well, I like Atlanta still, but do I like Atlanta against the Dodgers? Yeah. Not really. You know, it's a, it's a double-sided question because if you ask me, do the Dodgers have value at plus 320, 350? No, but... Do you want anybody else in the National League against the Dodgers? And I'm like, eh, I guess. I mean, here's the thing with the Dodgers. They go so deep in that rotation. Like Dustin May is their sixth starter. <laughs> he could be, you know, a two or a three on, on an average team. So it's so hard because they have so much depth, and their bullpen got even better in the offseason. The lineup doesn't quit. Um, you know, I, I – there were a lot of people in the sports betting space, and this happens every year. You always want to fade the sexy team, and their win total was 104. I'll tell you what, they're on pace for like 127 wins. Now, I'll go under 127, but if you thought you were the coolest kid in class because you went under 104, 103 on the Dodgers, you probably feel pretty stupid right now. I still think there's a team in the American League that, that has a good price. I think you know the Angels have a good price still, not as high as it once was, but there's a team in that American League West, and I think you sort of have to pick the one that you like. I like the Astros a little more. JVT, I know you're an Astros or an Angels guy, excuse me, but I think 
a team in the American League West, whoever wins that division, I don't want a part of in the postseason. I think that's the best division in baseball, um, you know, one, two, three. And whoever comes out of the AL West and gets the home field and gets that first-round playoff series, I think that's going to be a dangerous team. And the price is a little bit higher than it normally would be because everybody else is betting on the Dodgers and the Padres and the White Sox. Sam, I almost always bet under the quarterback prop in the first round, but uh, over five and a half uh, last week was plus three thirty. Do I have a shot? Do I have a shot to get the six quarterbacks drafted in the first round? You need one team to get nervous, you know, and you're looking at probably the New Orleans Saints, who pick right around the end of the first round. Like that's pretty much going to be it for you, depending on what New Orleans does. And I, I still don't understand how. They can look at their depth chart, and Sean Payton can line up all of his little name plaques, and and how can he possibly feel good about Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback? I just I don't understand what they see in this guy. I think he's a gadget guy, but I think he's somebody that you certainly have to prepare for uh, for the future with. You're looking at a one, two, three in New Orleans of Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, and Trevor Simeon. Oh. I, oh, yeah. How do you how do you not entertain the thought of a quarterback? You know the five are gone with this bet. You know it's the five, and, and they're going to tell you that under five and a half is a big favorite. But you need one team to fall in love with Davis Mills or Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask and just take a shot from twenty six to thirty two. A lot of those teams don't need quarterbacks, but there's a team or two in that mix that could feel the pressure. And, and just decide last minute, you know what, maybe we should take a quarterback. I don't hate the bet at all, especially a 3-1. to one. I'm, not, I'm not anti-3-1. to one. It's likely going to be five quarterbacks first round, but I will be pulling for you to get that last quarterback around 26, 27, 28, 29. How are you feeling right now? We'll close on this about your uh, over-under 17.5 with uh, Mac Jones. As long as he doesn't do anything else stupid, I think I'm a winner there. But here's how sick my listeners are on chicken dinner. Like, I gave this out early March. Let's go under 17.5 on Mac Jones. I've got people now trying to middle it. They're like, well, should we go Should we go over 3.5? I'm like, no, just take the free space, all right? It's hard enough. I got my audience is like, it's never enough. You want to give him under 17.5, he's going to go 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, I would think. My guys are still trying to make middles, and maybe that's my own fault, but just take the win when you have it. I'm pretty sure he's going to go under 17 and a half picks. Sam, we appreciate it. Great spot, buddy. All right, boys. There he is. Nessa and Sam Penny out of it. Five o'clock hours on the way. Oh, yeah, Doris Burke is on my side. I love that. And more arguing over Steph Curry, who suddenly, according to some, is in the MVP race on a 500 team.